0: Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be revisiting a message from one of our Sundays in church.
1: Well, hey, Favorite Church, what a joy it is for me to be joining you today. Uh, I love your pastors, James and Kate. In fact, we go back many, many years back to New Zealand days, believe it or not. And then I lived in Sydney for 10 years. That's where I met my wife. She's an Australian. So all good. But today I'm excited to be connecting with everybody there and believing that as we come around God's word, there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a moment where God is going to cause us to see something to feel something that will align our hearts and our responses to God's Word. I know that you're in a three-week series around this thought of what has your heart. And I know your pastors, I'm sure their heart intent is to make sure if God's got our heart, if the centre of our current response is Him, then miracles are going to happen. It's so easy in lockdown, it's so easy when you've got shifting sands around you. To feel like, you know what, well, I'm not sure what's going to happen. No, when God has your heart, when the strength of what you're standing on is His Word, then you can be assured that God's going to bring breakthrough. Through the series, I'm joining your pastors and I'm praying that God is going to cause us to realign things that maybe aren't quite aligned. Uh, Talking about our heart and honoring God with our tithe the first tenth and saying, God, you're the one that we trust. I want to go there a little bit more today. Talking about generosity, how we can live a sort of over and above life. What would be the point of me coming to speak today and just standing there and not inspiring you? I want to come and say, hey, you know what? God is a big God. God is a generous God. God is able to do things in a season where things are shifting and changing and we don't have natural security that's bigger than who we are. And so today I want to encourage you. You're in a great season. I believe even in November, towards the end of November, you're going to take up a legacy offering and that's towards building the kingdom of God. And right now you might go, well, I don't know if I've got much or my circumstances have changed and I'm not sure how I'm going to break through. I'm here to tell you, we serve a God of the breakthrough. And so don't allow anxiety, even in global lockdowns, don't allow challenges, don't allow fear to really cause you to give way to the enemy. I've noticed this about the enemy, is he seeks to reduce reduce rather the the wonder of God's promise so that we stop believing when we can't see rather than going, no, our God doesn't change. I'm going to pray and we're going to get into God's word. Father, I thank you today that you're a God that is incredibly faithful. And I pray that as I share what's on my heart, for Favor Church and everyone that is connected today, that you will literally turn the switch on on the inside of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say amen? Fantastic. There's a great verse in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And the Bible says this So God created. I want you to hear that. God is a creator. God takes the dust, He takes the Clay, things without form, and God brings His breath and He creates. And this is what He created. He created you, He created me, He created man in His own image. The Bible says that He created us male and female. But I love verse 28. It says that God blessed you and I. And God said to you and I, Be fruitful and begin to multiply. Not just live an okay, get through life. Even in a time where we feel restrictions are coming on us. No, you be fruitful and you multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. Man, I could preach about that all day. That I believe that God is looking for a generation. God is looking for a people that go, we are here not to allow what's coming against us to dominate, But we're going to have a heart that begins to rise up. We're going to see our heart take us further than we've ever been before. Let me put it another way. In fact, I think this message is around three words, really. It's the challenge that you should embrace about taking the responsibility to seed it up. That's it. Seed it up. When you understand God's Word, you realize that God has given us seeds that create a breakthrough life, a breakthrough future, a breakthrough even when the enemy is coming in like a flood. The Spirit of God is going to raise a standard. And I feel and I want to impart to you today that I believe it's time to dream again. It's time for all of us to activate our potential and and take authority even in a time of lack, even in a time where we were expecting breakthrough, but it hasn't come yet. See, the enemy wants to shut you down. Whereas I've got some good news. It's time for you and I to seed it up. In fact, why don't we all say that? Come on, those three words, seed it up. You might go, what are you talking about, Papa P? Or that's what they call me here. Pastor Paul, what are you talking about seeding it up? I've come to realise that every part of my life lives under a divine law, which is if I seed it, it'll multiply. If I seed it, I'm going to unlock harvest. And so sometimes when it comes to financial realities, we back off. Uh, Years ago, I came to this realization that our financial worlds are one of our greatest challenges. It's only when we don't understand that God has given us a principle that yes money impacts more than we realize it controls us it it causes us to at times feel like there is no breakthrough whereas God says no you have the power and the principle of if you seed you will unlock harvest there's a funny story in fact of an older couple they were in their 80s and every year they would go to the country fair And they'd love to do that. They'd love to go to the fair and enjoy the rides and get some candy floss and just to have that interaction with a great carnival environment. Well, George, as I said, in his 80s said to his wife, Bessie, he says, you know what? They've got this incredible plane that you're allowed to go and fly in this uh, acrobatic plane. It It goes even side on and goes up. I'd love one day to get a ride in that plane. He's in his 80s, he hasn't got a whole lot of time because every time he would bring it up at the annual fair, Bessie would say, George, I know you'd like to do that, but you know that plane, a ride in that plane costs $10. And the truth is $10 is $10. Well, this went on year after year. And and you know, as I said, he was now in his 80s and he said one day at the fair, Bessie, I've asked year after year if I could get a ride on that. I might not get another chance. Well, Bessie replied, as she always did, well, George, you realise that aeroplane ride, it costs $10. It's a funny story because the pilot overheard them talking and recognised they'd been there every year for many years and had the same conversation. So we kind of walked over to them as they were discussing it again. And she says, he says to them, I tell you what, I'll make you a deal. He says, I'll take both of you up in the air and it's going to be free of charge if you don't say a word. Don't say one single word for the entire ride because if you do, it's going to cost you $10. Well, they looked at each other. They agreed. They got into the plane and they took off and the pilot began to do all kinds of things they didn't expect. He began to cause the plane to twist and to roll and to dive. But there wasn't a sound from the cockpit. There wasn't a sound from, again, George and Bessie in the plane. Why? $10 was a big deal. After they landed and everything kind of quieted down, the pilot turned and said, Listen, I, I, I thought uh, you would yell and, and I'd get my $10. George looked at him and said, Well, I was going to say something when Bessie fell out of the plane. But $10... Is $10. In other words, it's kind of like money meant so much. Here's the analogy. That it was controlling the way that they lived rather than realising God is a God that can cause His Spirit to come on who we are. Let me ask you a question. Today, are you living financially free? Have you discovered in God's Word the answer of the power of seed and harvest? Or have we accepted a survival life? Maybe right now it's not easy and things are tough. Have you learnt? Is a question I say to myself and others to live under God's divine authority when it comes to finances? You may know this verse, it's a powerful verse. Got it on the screen. It's Galatians chapter six and verse seven. And this is the apostle Paul, this is God's word. This is what he says. Do not be deceived. You see, because God is not mocked. Whatever a man, whatever a woman sows, they will also reap. Did some research on that. That word deceived is a very interesting word. Do not be deceived. Do not be led astray. Do not allow yourself to wander off the path of God's truth. I had to come to realize that when it comes to the era, because this is going to literally transport you into a new realm of financial freedom. One of the things I came to realize that there are many things that are beyond my control, but harvest is not one of them. Let me say that again. There are many things that are beyond my ability to control, but harvest is not one of those. If I will continue to plant, Seeds the way that God has asked me to plant seeds. If I begin to take an understanding to another level where if I plant that kind of seed, positive seed, I'll get a positive harvest. Financial seed, a financial harvest. And imagine for a moment the difference that you could make, the different worlds you could live, if you really settled the fact that financial limitation, even though it may- you now is not going to be a factor of your future. Wow. You see, I believe that God is calling an army, a generation of people in the Philippines. He's calling you who are listening to this message today to begin to imagine what the future could look like if we just didn't believe that God could make a difference. We knew the authority of God's word could make a lasting generational change I think uh, there needs to be a way that we see God's kingdom. Years ago, I, I was talking to our team here in New Zealand and New Zealand has had not a lot of finances to do a lot of things. But we began to dream about what God, the Holy Spirit was asking us to believe for. And one of the things we came up with was that we felt like the Holy Spirit was leading us to believe that in one calendar year, we could have more than $20 million worth of community impact. In other words, we could help people with food. We could help them with education. We could help people discover that there was a God that was for them. We didn't have anywhere near $20 million worth of resource. In fact, we didn't even have millions of dollars worth of resource. But there was something on the inside of me that began to feel this is God that we could believe in the future in New Zealand to have more than $20 million worth of uh, aid and assistance and help, whether it be in education or food or or clothing. We could see God show his hand strong if we stood on the truth of God's word and said, if we invest, if we sow into this, we're going to get that harvest. Remember I said out of Genesis 1 and verse 28 that God blessed uh, Adam and Eve and He said to them, I want you to be fruitful. Hear the words of God. I want you to be fruitful. I want the Philippines to feel the effect of favor church. I want everybody listening to this message not to buy into a mindset of, I hope we can get through this rather than we can bring seed to it. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Literally fill the earth, imagine you're a part of a company of people that are gonna fill the earth because we believe in a multiplying God. Subdue it, have dominion over it when there's a challenge. And for me, there was a turning point, many scriptures that I had heard for many years in church that God brought into focus. Basically, you know, I was standing back and and I was there going, well, I believe all that stuff. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, do you really believe it? Because this could be a turning point if you took this on board. It's Galatians 6 and verse 7. Again, Paul writes, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, he will reap. I know many of us would have heard that verse, but the time I read this, it's kind of like something shifted. It's like whatever a man sows, he is going to need to activate a reaping. In other words, you can have the seed and you can put it in the soil, but you need to then activate the reaping. You've gotta go and harvest the outcome of that seed that's been sown. I think in the church, if I could put it clearly, is we have embraced the law of sowing. In other words, we've heard, you have gotta keep sowing, you have gotta keep on sowing, but I'm not sure we've added or embraced the law of reaping. We haven't been taught that a farmer commits more energy into the harvest than into putting the seed into the ground. And I want to encourage you today that it's time for us to go, you know what? We've put seed in the ground. We've followed God. We've said yes to God's truth. Now we're going to expect a harvest. We're going to put time into seeing a harvest manifest. See, there are so, mis- so many misunderstandings, I think, when it comes to money, and God's purposes, and one of the big ones is this: is that many Christians go, "Well, financial freedom is only for some people," and I go, "No, that's not true. It's for." Uh, I had this illustration come to mind some time ago, and it uh, was to do with a documentary where I think it was in Africa somewhere, where they would take elephants. When they were young, soon after they were born, and then they would train them. And how they would train them is they would put like a rope around the small elephant's leg. And the elephant would walk and walk around the place, but then all of a sudden get to the end of the rope. And at the end of the rope, it realized it couldn't go any further. Obviously, the rope could be broken, but the elephant was small over years Obviously, months and years, the elephant grew and grew and grew. But the elephant began to believe that the rope it couldn't break when it was small had the power to hold it when it was big. But that's not the truth, because we know that big elephant could smash that rope. But it would no longer test the strength of the rope because it had believed it could never break it. I want to encourage you today, if you find yourself in a place of financial lack, it's not the end of the story. It's time to put some pressure on that rope and align your response to the Word of God. You know, Jesus said in John 8, verse 31, He said to the Jews, those that believed in Him, hey, it's if you abide in My Word, then you really will be a disciple and you will know, you will experience the truth, and that truth will set you free or literally liberate who you are. Sometimes when it comes to finances, our material world, we don't see an overnight miracle. We shouldn't even begin to believe it It should always happen instantly. Uh, I know for Marie and I, in fact, we've been uh, close to being married for 40 years. And for 15 years of our married lives, in church, in our giving, but we were so lacking. And it was like God just brought us back to an understanding that God was big enough, but we needed to be completely committed to following through the pathway that brings that liberty and makes it real. See, I had been taught to be generous. I had learned the law of sowing, but I didn't understand I had a responsibility also to reap. One of the big verses that shifted my thinking around that was 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8. This is what 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8 says. I hope you're enjoying this. Hope you're being challenged. I hope you're being encouraged. But it says this in God's Word, verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 9, And God is able to make all grace, not just some, not just saving grace, Grace for every part of our lives abound. Come on, say the word abound. Awesome. Abound towards you, not the person next to you. It's not for a special person. Abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Can I read that again? May God who is able to make all grace abound, overflow, touch every part of your life, abound towards you so that you would have all sufficiency in all things and have an abundance for every good work. I still remember the day that I read that and I I said, God, that's not happening. I love you. I've been honouring you with the tithe, but God, this perfect place of all sufficiency in all things. Wow. There's gotta be a blockage. There's something that I'm not getting. And I had come to a realization back then that I was living an imbalanced view. In other words, I was living in this place where I believed that God would just make it happen. I believed that if I just kept sowing, I'd get the breakthrough, but I needed to sow and to reap. I needed to activate God's word over my life. You go to 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 12. The Bible says both riches and honour come from you and you reign over all. Love that. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all not just for some of us. It's this wonderful revelation that if we wanna live a fruitful future, it's gonna reflect today's seed. It's gonna reflect who we are and where we're at. And I believe as we look at that, we begin to realize that God is wanting us to embrace this principle, not just of saying, well, God, I'm tithing and I'm returning to you what belongs to you, which is so important, But more than that is that it is time for us to seed it up. It's time for us to realise that we can change the future of our own families, our own lives, our own world as we add seed and begin to operate God's way. So let me give you a couple of thoughts around seeding it up. Let me give you a couple of insights that I've learned and has helped me come to a place where God has liberated me, my family, our church to a whole new level. You see, where it begins is if you go to the Bible with Adam and Eve, you discover that where things went wrong in the garden was when Adam and Eve failed to honor God. They failed to begin to go God's way and they did not position God as sovereign. They didn't align their lives to the truth of God's word. And ultimately, they found themselves removed from the garden. God still loved them, but they lost the wonder of the power of multiplication. They, wondered, they lost the wonder of God's blessing over their lives. Why? Because they removed God from being sovereign. They took what belonged to God. And by the way, the fruit that they took in the garden was not theirs to take. And I think today some of us can be in church every week, to be honest. Some of us can have followed God's word, but there are things missing that we didn't understand are our responsibility. One like you need to seed, but you also need to create harvest. And that destroys our ability to have God's multiplication anointing all over our lives. And we forfeit potential harvest. So can I encourage you today, a fruitful future, as I said before, reflects today's seed. So we're going to look at seeding it up. You're still with me? I'm using a lot of words, but I want you to get these three thoughts really clearly because I believe it's going to help set your family up for the future. This thought of seeding it up. Here's the first big concept. Did you realize that stewardship or being responsible for what God has given us and is wanting to give us? It's all about a sovereignty decision. Stewardship is a sovereignty decision. There's a lot of debate in the church, and I'm sure you've touched on it, even in the series, that there is the first tithe that belongs to God. And literally, it's more than paying a tenth. This is about establishing where the authority of your life comes from, that God is sovereign in all things. Couple of verses, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. Note how God says it, by the way. God says, Hey, I am the Lord, I do not change. Could preach on that for a while. Some people say, Well, I don't believe tithing is for today. Malachi, God speaking first person, I am the Lord, I do not change. And because of that, you will not be consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. I want you to hear. God says, here it is. You return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way shall we return? By the way, an ordinance is like a specific decree. It's about a prescribed portion. And the context of this whole chapter in Malachi 3 is a personal context. God is saying, if you return to me, I can return to you. In other words, you are gonna break free from your own limitation because I'm alongside you. And God's heart is not to take things from us. The tithe is not about God taking money from us. It's about the Father's heart to release us into multiplication. And as we steward what belongs to God, we begin to unlock this divine law. Verse eight goes on and says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Yet you say, in what way have we robbed you in ties and in offerings? And I think when I look at that, it's kind of like I used to read that and say, well, you know what? I've robbed what belongs to God. I see it completely different now. I can rob God. I want you to get this. I can rob God from seeing the multiplication promise become effectual in my life. Don't rob God from the ability to bring to you and through you the blessing of His promise. Three times He says, you've robbed me, you've robbed me, you've closed the door and you've allowed the enemy to hold you where you are. You've got to give over the authority of your final financial world. This thought of stewardship is about sovereignty. It's about a sovereignty decision. It's about I choose to honour God in my finances by giving to Him the first tenth. And then he goes on in verse 10. Would you bring all of the tithe? Not just some of it, but would you bring the first tenth into the storehouse that there may be, what, food in my house? That you would try me now. Test me now if I would not open for you the windows of heaven. Pour out such a blessing you couldn't even contain it. And not only that, I will rebuke. Wow. As I said, I am so powered up today. I don't know, it might be the Filipino air coming across here into New Zealand because we can't be there in in person. But he says, I will rebuke the devourer so that he cannot destroy the fruit of your ground. And all nations, verse 12, he says, will call you blessed for you are a delightful land. You know, there is a committed devourer that is working against you and your family, against your church, against your time in history. He understands that if we get financially free, then he won't be able to fulfill his plan. That's why we literally steward what belongs to God. And stewarding is this sovereignty decision. It's a decision about God. Adam and Eve, they, they failed in the garden. Why? Because they did not position God's sovereign over their lives when God said hey the first belongs to me don't touch that and when they began to touch that they failed to position God's sovereign and they were they were removed from God's place of provision I think you can actually be in church every week or be online every week have a heart for God but be removed from the place of God's provision When we don't honor God with the first 10th, and I know that you've touched on this already in the series, just remember that you open the door to enemy access. And God is saying, please don't rob me from the ability of stepping in and bring your tithe, bring your offerings to me and I'll step in. Don't allow the enemy to cause you to drift so that I'm not sovereign over your financial world. I've come also to realize that God is a God that is true to his word. And he's the God that lifts us to new levels. But money determines the resident authority over my financial world. And so what I realize is when I put God first with the first tenth, the devil cannot have his say. Every time finances come into my hand, into our hand as a home, we honor God with the first tenth You see, the moment material increase touches us, that material increase receives one of two spirits. And I talk a lot about that in my book called God, Money and Me. And you can get that online. And I know it will be a blessing, but basically it underscores this principle that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, that no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other. You'll be loyal to one or despise the other. Then he says these words emphatically serve God and material spirited money. Bring God into the center. Honor him with the first step. And in that place, God will bring about a blessing. So stewardship is a sovereignty. I'm going to position God as sovereign over my material world. The second thought is this, is that Stewardship or seeding is a priority decision. Not only is stewarding a sovereignty decision, it's a priority decision. Again, verse 10 of Malachi 3, bring all of the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. It's like God says there's a test and the test is if you put me first in this, I'll be able to put you first. I think I was only... Three or four or maybe five at the oldest in my life when my parents taught me that if you honor God with the first tenth, you make Him the priority of your life, then He is free to bring the priority of the purposes of God into your world. And as far as I can remember, my whole life, I've always honored God with the first tenth and then learn how to be generous over and above when it comes to legacy offerings and when it comes to steps to build the kingdom, all of us can then be led by the Holy Spirit. But I do believe that there is a sound of heaven that says when you put God, when I put God first, then God is going to be in a place where He has now right of access to bring blessing because you've made it not only a sovereignty decision, but a priority decision. Put this thought before you: our material world operates in one of two kind of conditions. It's either from a surrendered or an unsurrendered position. As I honor and surrender my way to God's way, then I'm bringing the blessing. Of God. John Calvin put it like this where riches hold the dominion of a human heart, or the domination or dominion of a human heart, God has in fact lost his authority. We're talking about stewarding is a sovereignty decision. Not only that, is stewarding is also a priority decision that I get to choose that I'm going to honor God. Another verse I want to throw in is Proverbs 3 and verse 9. The Bible says this, honour the Lord with your possessions. Not just honour Him with worship, but tangibly honour Him with material things because the kingdom is going to need your response to see the Philippines change. Honour Him with the first fruits of all of your increase. Why? So that your barns can be filled with plenty and your vats would overflow with new wine. That's the kind of life that I'm praying every one of us are gonna experience. That every one of us, even today, as we talk about seeding up, rather than allowing what's around us to determine how we respond, we're gonna seed for a future that's bigger than better than ever before. So, stewarding is a sovereignty decision, and stewarding is a priority decision. Let me kind of bring it to a close. I think the third thing I'd say is stewarding is a security decision. When you honour God with what He's asking you to respond to Him with, you are in a place where you can go, devil, you can't touch me. COVID, you don't have the final say. I might be in a testing time, but you don't have the final authority. Let me read it again. I think Malachi 3.10, we touched on it. Bring all of the tithe into the storehouse, that there might be food in my house. And then He says, and then try me now in this. Prove me. Examine me. Put me on trial, says God. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you such a blessing that there's not room to contain it. And I, I love this verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Imagine that. Imagine waking up tomorrow morning saying, you know what, Pastor Paul, he brought a great message to our church. But today I'm standing up and I'm going, devil, I rebuke your authority over my life. I may have lost a job. I might be in a tough financial time. But you have no authority. You have no final say. I'm going to rebuke the devourer, says God, for your sakes. God, you've got my back. And the devourer will not destroy the fruit of your ground, says the Lord. I think we touched on it. All the nations of the earth will end up calling you blessed because you will become a delightful land. I'm prophesying your business Your place of employment, the nation you live in, will become a delightful land when we honor who God is. And we say, God, would you take us to new levels? Would you move in our lives in such a way that we will see your blessing touch every one of us? I'll never forget a story I've told a number of times about a solo mum that was in the church I was in in Australia and I was sharing on honouring God with your finances. And she came up to me at the end of the message and she said, Pastor, thank you for a great message. She said, I I am a solo mum and we've been really struggling financially. And she began to share her story. This was many years ago. And my heart, father's heart, just sort of kind of overwhelmed me. And I said, well, honey, you know what? Uh, We all go through seasons and if you can't do what God says to do, which is to honor him with the first, then, you know, God gets that and God understands that. What happened, I'll never forget after that, that day as I was driving home from the service, I felt like the Holy Spirit just sort of was sitting there next to me. And he, he basically said this. I felt him say this to my heart. He says, so, Paul, you know better than me? And I was like, what do you mean? I, you You think you've got the answer for what my daughter needs and I realized in that moment that I had allowed my natural world to determine how I should respond in a natural situation rather than going back to God's Word and making sure that I would live God's way and even though she didn't have the finances even to put food on the table I found myself having to ring her up and saying, hey, I know we just had a conversation, but I think I gave you the wrong advice. I basically allowed my compassion to reach for you. And this is what I feel we need to do. Right now you don't have the finances, you need to live. So Marie and I are gonna support you financially for a season so that you can get through this tough time. But let's not do anything less than do what God taught us to do to bring freedom. So if we honour God with our finances, then we can say, devil, you can't touch this family in the future. You cannot allow what is happening around us to determine what will happen by God's promise in and through us. You see, when Jesus becomes Lord of our life, we experience freedom in everything. And in the area of finances, I just wanna encourage you that God is wanting all of us to realize it's time for us to steward The seed that is at our disposal. See, stewarding is, as I've said, a sovereignty decision. When you honour God first, He becomes sovereign over everything. There may be a season of lack. There will be seasons of trial, but He's sovereign. You're saying, devil, you're not the one that makes the decision about our future. COVID, you're not the one that has the final say. It's who He is. Secondly, stewarding is also a priority decision. It's like putting God first. It's now that we honour God, even for that incredible lady and her tough circumstances. It's like, no, I'm gonna make a decision to put God's Word and God's way as a priority for my life. And then ultimately, it's a security decision. Because I've honoured God, I'm gonna get through the storm. Because even the boat is taking on water, it will not sink because I have a security. This place, my life, my family, my church, my nation will have the protection of God all over it. And I pray today that this message has inspired you and if you're doing it tough, we've all been there. But God's Word is God's Word and His truth sets us free. If you're here today and you go, Paul, man, I need to hear more teaching around this thought. Well, as I mentioned, I've written this book called God, Money and Me. In fact, it's in a revised edition. I think it's in four or five languages. And you could have access of that if you wanted to, to find out more around this whole subject of God's way when it comes to financial authority and breakthrough. And of course, on the screen we'll have where you can go to for that to become a reality It's also in the audio book and I know it will be a blessing for many. But let me close by praying for you and I want to encourage you. God's got you, He's got your future, and He's in control. Father, I thank You today that we can entrust You with the challenging seasons because we know that You're God, You're sovereign, and You take us on a journey of breakthrough. And I just pray today for Favour Church, I pray God, for these incredible pastors and this incredible church that you will continue to see a liberty in this area of financial breakthrough.
0: In Jesus' name, amen. Amazing word from Pastor Paul. Uh, we've been here in the studio watching it all together and just such a timely word. And uh, You know, when he was talking about God being sovereign, that when Jesus is Lord of everything, means that what we're doing is we're giving God complete control of our lives that we trust him no matter what I don't know about you but the last 18 months for me have been some of the most unstable uh, months that I've ever experienced in my life but through it all I've been able to put my trust in God knowing that he's sovereign because I have a relationship with him maybe you're watching today and you don't have a personal relationship with God to have a personal relationship with god doesn't mean you know about him it doesn't even mean that you attend church but it means that you've made a decision in your life to actively pursue jesus to turn away from the things that aren't of god and to turn towards christ it doesn't mean that you'll be perfect it doesn't mean that you'll get everything right it definitely doesn't mean that you're going to know everything but what it is is it's a decision that you make To basically turn towards Christ ask him to forgive you of your sins we've all sinned the Bible says we all have done things that have separated us from God but when we come to Jesus his response is love it's grace it's mercy it's forgiveness that's his response he doesn't require you to jump through hoops to to read a certain amount of books or go to courses or pay any money at all. It's just about a surrendered heart saying, Jesus, I, I want a relationship with you. Maybe you hear you've never made that decision before. I'm gonna pray a prayer. We're all gonna pray this prayer together as a family in here. And if you wanna pray this prayer with me, could you just put your hand on your heart right now? And why don't you repeat these words with me? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I'm come to you right now. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin i believe that you died on the cross but you rose again and that you are the son of god so right now i ask please come into my life be lord of my whole life in jesus name i pray amen amen thank you so much for listening in At Favor Church, we're a family and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.